Hello, and welcome to Business Without Bullshit, where we take a sideways look at modern business, talking to founders and entrepreneurs about the problems they face and how they solve them. I'm Andy Ori, and alongside me is my co-host, Philippa Sturt. Hello. Excellent. And a quick reminder, if you like what we do here, please do rate and review us on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And remember to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. It's at B-I-Z without B-S. That's at B-I-Z without B-S. Thank you very much. Now, that being said, our guest this week is, and wait for it, it's an Icelandic name, Ingvid Jerkel Logerson. That's actually pretty, pretty well done, must say. Perhaps you should repeat it as well <laughs> for the Icelanders in the audience. That was quite far off. <laughs> uh, Ingvid is a tech startup entrepreneur, investor, and serial advertising agency founder. He owns and operates businesses from Iceland all the way to Indonesia. He only does countries that begin with I, apparently. <laughs> with his current focus being in the virtual and augmented reality space with his company, New Reality. Ingvid. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, guys. So, what's keeping you busy? Almost everything. Like you, you know, you were reading up. Uh, we have businesses and offices in, in different countries. So, life, children, business, just in general, everything's keeping us busy right now. How do you divide your time then? Do you do like a meeting in every business every week, or you tend to start out the uh, week with a very good schedule, like you said, having scheduled time for every business, and then life happens. And, and you know, life starts throwing punches and everything is out the window. You start rolling with it. But of course, it helps to have a plan. Uh, but it, rarely we are able to stick to it. Most of the time, we have to kind of adopt. With that many businesses, you must have a good personal assistant, a good operational sidekick, or how do you how do you do that? You need great managers. And of course, we have great managers. And to be fair, they are, of course, taking the heat every day, you know, uh, bear the burden of most uh, of our businesses. So for me, it's more about executive decision making and jumping in where it's needed, uh, kind of having the vision of where we're going, what we're trying to do, and making sure we are following up on it. But most of the time, we have somebody else executing the plan. So you're the big picture guy. Most of the time, yes, yes, yes. Do you use a whiteboard? Do you like no, a uh, <laughs> Actually, uh, <laughs> not, not as much as I should. We should probably wind the clock back, take us right back to when you first started. What was your first proper job? Since I was five years old, I almost worked at something every year. Uh, but at 18, uh, I started working at my mother's uh, advertising agency. She uh, founded an advertising agency with four, four other women, which was extremely rare uh, back in those days mm. in Iceland. And soon after, I started working there at various tasks and learning the ropes. And that basically led me into going uh, for communication arts in the United States when I graduated and have been tight with advertising ever since, basically. What do you think of the advertising industry? I love it and I hate it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I love creativity. I love new challenges. I love uh, having something different to do every day. We own and operate or, or are partners in uh, four agencies so far, advertising agencies, and we have other creative businesses. So I can't say anything else than, than I love it and, and I'm very interested in it. But it's also, uh, it can be very tedious 
the way it's developing now, it's not necessarily in a, in a, I would say, a grandiose place. It used to be grander. Grander, back, back. the madman. Yeah, era. Not, not even, even, you don't have to go that far back. Just just go back 20 years. It was a really grand place kind of thing. It was really adventurous. Everything's become, it's, uh, I saw this a great thing, if you haven't seen it, a PowerPoint, which is like saying it's all bullshit, basically. It worked very well on this podcast. We should get him on. But <laughs> it's basically that everyone's looking at data now. Everyone's making decisions from data. So everyone's producing the same bullshit. And back in the day, it was a creative thing, you know? Yeah, yeah. And then the, for me, most part, it's also the output. I mean, back in the days, you would have output on TV uh, and, and running a large-scale advertising agency, or large-scale uh, TV production was huge. Kind of, even in the States or here in the UK, and when you started or ran a new TV commercial, for most agencies, that would be a big deal. And it would be a big production. It would, might be hit. It would be talked about throughout the country yes. because you had media where almost everybody would see it. Today, you have such fragmented media. Things don't get quite as big. There are big things, don't get me wrong. Uh, but in many instances, uh, even bad things would get really, really big back in the days that yeah. don't get you know big in, the, in this sense that we're working in today. You've got four agencies. So how do you... You're not going to be doing the creative ads, and frankly, the clients got a huge influence in that. You're more going in and what strategizing the business development, or we're strategy. Um, me personally, I strategize with our clients uh, from a business and a marketing standpoint. But we have people, of course, running the creative stuff uh, for us on a daily basis, and we have a different emphasis with the agencies that we're running. But of course, uh, we also uh, we have one running here in the, in England. Uh, we have two of them running in Iceland, and one of them in Indonesia. So it's there are different markets that. Are, we are working on its place. Actually, if you spell England with an I, we'd almost... Um, yeah. anyway. <laughs> um, interesting, because, I mean, Iceland's the most women-positive country, whatever the correct politically correct way. Um, how did that shape your sort of advertising career starting in... Did that change... Did, did, did this had, that had a particular effect on how you approach it or anything, do you think? I wouldn't necessarily say it did. I think it was more or less maybe, I would say, the courage of my mother and, and her partners, that, that even in the face of adversity at that time, standing up kind of thing and, and running the Because then it agency. was a chauvinist society like uh, everywhere. Yeah, 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 basically it was. And, and we had a slightly probably more uh, feminine positive society having the first female president at that, you know, around that time. So it, it probably was a slightly, uh, you know, a move in, in a, a better direction for them. Mm -hmm. But at that still, I mean, the way business was done... People were still, you know, being invited to fishing trips and the country club and the bar. And it was more difficult for women to do those things because any guy would feel that they were being hit on and things like that. So it's, it, it was just a different scene. And that uh, courageousness kind of, yes, was a huge influence on me, but not necessarily mm. kind of the... Uh, uh, female approach in, in general, more so yeah, yeah. The, the closer one. It's still better than being invited to the strip club. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. To be honest. <laughs> yes. Which still happens. Yeah. Yeah, it still yeah. happens, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you've got this great empire of businesses. <laughs> Has there been anything that hasn't gone so well? That's oh, been a yes. bit of a failure and, and have you learned anything from... And you don't like talking companies? about it, but we're going to make you talk about it. Well... I would say I have this mentality to tell you that nothing has gone wrong, but it's more of a mentality than the truth. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there have been a lot of things that we have done that haven't been successful. 
from investment standpoints, we lost a lot of money with bad decisions in the uh, fall of 2008. We've had ideas that we have had on paper and not executed that have then been successful with other people. That must be annoying. It's very annoying if you stick to it. But again, we have a very positive uh, attitude towards what we're doing. I always feel there's another opportunity around the corner. It's more or less just how you apply yourself to approaching it. I, w- I would still say, and, and I mean that in a very positive way, there is no big unsuccessful thing that has happened to me or I've gone through that has profoundly changed me. But of course, you learn from every small mistake you de- do on a daily basis. But there, has, there hasn't been a profound failure that, that has changed what we're doing. We've grown steadily, slowly. Some might say that means I haven't taken enough risks. Some might say it means that I'm good at what I do. Uh, I tend to run with it's better being uh, lucky than good. That's my catchphrase throughout life. Yep. Yeah. And I consider myself very, or actually extremely lucky. I think it says a lot about your mental state. Because what you said is none of these events has been cataclysmic. So if I'm slightly uncomfortable with failure, like, you know, if I haven't embarrassed myself, I was down and then things go well and then something bad happens. This is a cataclysmic moment in my life when it's like my ego is effectively damaged. So what it suggests is your ego is somewhat in check or put in maybe a better way, when when things go wrong, you see them as opportunities, which is supposed to be the the trick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and and it is in most cases that that there's always a, a way to turn things uh, from failure to positiveness. It's uh, how you apply yourself. When when I started kind of full time working at my mother's agency, for instance, it had uh, caught fire. Uh, the building itself had caught fire. All right, and the agency had been without a house for a home basically for three months. The three largest clients left because they couldn't wait for us to to get uh, wow, office and stuff like that. That must have been tough. Yeah, and at the time I was working in New York uh, right after college, so my mom called me up and basically says, "You want to come home and basically help us dig out of this hole?" So I said, "Yeah, it's a challenge. Let's do it." Maybe that's a big lesson, though. You saw your mom technically lose everything in a way. You could that could have destroyed you, yeah. you know. And she battled through it. So you kind of saw she, you know, she had courage as a person, you know. And 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 they also, the, my parents told me kind of not to be afraid of big decisions. You won't always get them right. Uh, you never can. You can only make a decision and then, you know, keep on working at it. My father, uh, like I said, ran one of the largest sports club in Iceland or was the chairman of it. And, and uh, he started uh, building some of the largest uh, infrastructure for sports clubs in Iceland, uh, kind of a trend that has been growing extremely well since then. And, and he was making, again, big decisions and, and told me once that, uh, Ingrid, we're going to build this uh, large football sports hall and we don't have the money for it. And I know we don't, but we will. So I just looked at it like that. Hmm, that's some sheer confidence in saying like, you can calculate it all you will, and you will never be able to fund it, you know, today. But if you just start working on it, you start building it, you will be able to make it happen. So it was uh, one of those life lessons that I loved, uh, a small thing that, that I kind of remember all the time. And, and there are other things like that from my mom that, that how she would approach business day to day and tough clients that, that uh, inspired me. And, and I really like that. Like, to be honest, my hairs just went on their end because I thought that <laughs> yeah. was such a spot on. And, you know, just to say, don't be scared of big decisions because 
I'm scared. I was scared at this. I looked at my diary this morning. I mean, obviously this excluded this. I was very much. Ago. But I was like, fucking hell, how the hell do I do that? But it's, that's not how life happens. It doesn't all happen at the same time. So I think that's just, I just that was great. I do think there's a lot to be said for the whole, it's never as bad as you think it's going to be. Yeah. Because yep. it really isn't. Yep. Yep. True. You know. That three o'clock in the morning, oh my God, this is going to be awful. It's never that bad. Your no. job's like that too. You do <laughs> yeah, all the deals. time. Oh all the time. God, I couldn't do your job getting an email like, it's falling apart, the yeah. deal. You yeah. know, it's like, well, I'm going out to dinner. irritating. <laughs> you know, that's almost exactly what I said earlier. Yeah. <laughs> is there anything you don't like? Is there anything you find uncomfortable about running a business? Well, the thing I hate the most is, is firing people. Uh, laying off oh, yes. people is absolutely the worst thing. Uh, ever, especially if they cry or, or, oh, or beg you, it's, it's just uh, the worst. Yeah, it's, it's the worst. It's absolutely the worst. And sometimes you you try to be. I mean, throughout the years, uh, I, I would say I come from a heavily socialistic background. Mm. Uh, even my great grandparents were communist. Uh, my father studied in in Eastern Germany. Controversial. Uh, yeah, yeah, wow. very. I know, I know. It's, uh, and I'm kind <laughs> this of podcast the, is over, guys. Yeah. <laughs> I'm actually not a black for sheep. me. <laughs> You're in, no, you're yeah, right. I'm, totally I'm considered the black sheep of the family because I'm so much into business. But but uh, throughout that, I mean, I've had a socialistic upbringing, so we tried to uh, do good things. We will hire people that we know are on the fringe of, of uh, kind of needing help or, or not being the best employees, stuff like that. You, so you, we give people a chance sometimes. And those people are absolutely the worst thing, to, you know, to break their hearts when they don't come through. That's work. work, and it's very difficult. And and even sometimes, also, you have the best intentions, you have the best people, and it's just a terrible year. And you get you have the choice of laying people off or just going completely down under. Uh, those things are extremely difficult. And I would say always the most difficult things to go through. Chemistry is difficult, you know. Um, if you look at bands and music, you can have four people in a band, and they just got something chemistry wise is, is, and then you add someone you add a flute player or something <laughs> you didn't fucking need anyway and then it's like everything's fucked do you know what I mean and, and, and the flute player is a nice person and it's just they all hate each other now and it's over and you're like that bloody flute player anyway <laughs> but it's like that you know it's um it's complex humans personality uh, is the key thing really isn't it yeah and it's not always but Somebody it's chemistry. can be amazing and really good, but if they annoy the pants off you, you're yeah. going to, you know, yeah. walk them out the door. Yeah, and I've I I always kind of lived by the comment that I can work with everybody, but I know I'm really difficult to work with. Mm. Uh, I'm the difficult person in the room. I'm mm. the flute player almost. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. And why do you think you're difficult to work with? Uh, I have very strong opinions, uh, sometimes uh, short attention span, sometimes uh, if it's not. <laughs> what? Is it sounding familiar? Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> if things are not being done the way I want them to be done, it sometimes irritates me. You should try coming from a family that work in a business together who are all like that. Well, it's, it's fucking hilarious in our family meetings, is it? It's like, funny you mentioned because my sister works with me on some of my businesses. My two brothers do, and I used to work with wow. my mother, so I kind of feel you. Used yeah. to it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Roles. Everyone needs a role. You yeah. know, you're in charge of the toilets. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, on that note, I mean, it's a it's a similar thought. But what what do you think is most misunderstood about being an employer? Oh, almost everything. I think uh, I always encourage almost everybody that works for me to start their own business because they get everything wrong about what being an employer is. 
But then they wouldn't work for you. Yeah, yeah, still. I mean, they can then come back when they failed. You wouldn't wouldn't believe how many people have come back to us uh, yeah, in many yeah. ways. But other than that, also, again, being slightly socialistic, I want good things for everybody. Uh, and if my people have a better life uh, starting something on their own, I want to support them in that. Uh, if they have a dream of t- testing something, trying something, I want to support them in that. And we have. Uh, one of the reasons we have had, you know, that serial stamp about advertising agencies is we sometimes help other people that have worked with us only start their own or, or grow their own. And, and uh, this changes their whole vision about everything, basically, yeah. everything. Is it not a bit gutting if there's somebody amazing in your business and they leave to go and do something else? Do yeah, you know? it, it absolutely is. Uh, and, and I mean, I've had some of my best friends have worked for me uh, and worked with me for a long time. One of them quit three times and always came back. <laughs> but, yeah. but but he started his own thing. We supported him. It didn't it didn't work out. Uh, he, he came back and and uh, I, I think it's more so. I mean, if if they really want to leave, you kind of have to let them. You, you can't really box them in. It's absolutely right. The only way anyone will understand what it's like to do anything but to be an employer is to be an employer. Because people's misconception is people are like, well, I wasn't informed properly. I wasn't trained properly. I wasn't warned properly. It's like, I don't have all this extra time and I don't get all this information. The crisis was a classic example. This, you know, the news would happen and we'd start getting texts about, I can't believe the office is still not going to be. It's like, we we just watched that. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, we haven't yeah, even yeah, talked yeah, to yeah. each other yet. You yeah. know, we'll, we don't get a fax from, you know, Boris's special fax machine for employers. They honestly think you do. <laughs> yeah, it comes yeah. through a week early and yeah. we're like, oh, well, we'll smoke cigars <laughs> and fuck them. It's like, you know, and I like what you said. I'm socialist and I care about people. I think every employer I know really cares about people. And I think employers generally are taking risk, most of them, because they want to help. You know, a lot of people's incentive is like, wouldn't it be cool if all of us started a business? Do you know what I mean? Wouldn't it be cool? Like, let's do something and like, you know, let's get your son and your friend and let's help them out. You know, I think it starts with that intention. How did you find that sort of transition from being a little feisty startup to a much sort of bigger, more established organization? Well, it, it, I would say it has happened slowly, kind of, uh, again, uh, I'm a, a little bit of a strange cat and, and my situation is a little bit of a strange cat situation, I would say, because uh, while we are running a startup, I'm still running the other off- businesses and they are basically funding the startup. Uh, and this is, I mean, I'm a 48-year-old man, so I'm pretty old. It has been... It's not that old. <laughs> Same age as me, man. <laughs> so I've been doing this for, for 30 years, so it's, uh, it's quite a long time. So it's more like we have grown into it slowly, steadily, uh, rather than rust into it or had any great changes happen, I would say. Uh, we've had time to develop ourselves, uh, take a step back, uh, two steps forward and so on. So it has been slowly and progressively and, and I would say in a nice, steady pace. And now a quick word from our sponsor. Since 1935.
And at this point, let me quickly remind you to give us a nice review on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify so you'll never miss an episode. Now back to the chat. On the look forward, what are you most excited about then for the future? Well, the future in AR and VR is is extremely large, I would say. Uh, All the large technology companies are are talking about AR. And it's going to probably be the next industrial revolution kind of thing. Metaverse, is it? Metaverse being one of it. But... uh, of course, uh, Zuckerberg. Oh, the, 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 the top heading would be AR, would it? Or? AR will be the top heading. And, and you have everybody, I mean, Tim Cook has been talking about it for five, six years now. You have, have uh, all the large companies really uh, working on it. Basically, it connects of everything from you know self-driving cars to repairing cars or to mechanics or, or engineers in the future. Uh, like I was talking about AR, you know, showing us what the Battle of Hastings was just a couple of minutes ago. It, it, AR will touch up on everything. And all those movies or books you've read about AR glasses that will change what you're seeing on a daily basis, be it the advertising poster that will be different for all three of us, even though we're in the same location, looking at the same white space. Uh, all those things will be uniquely different to us when we have those glasses. That isn't even a white space, you know. No, no, that is, is yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, well, there is there will be a trigger out there that's that's basically uh, you know triggering what we see but but uh, this is going to be a huge change for us and it's going to be a change for society uh, from an economical standpoint how do you see that like a typical can you envision what our day would be like and I literally can't because I mean it's, but it's going to be totally different from what we used to uh, perhaps even clothes won't matter anymore because you will basically wow. have an avatar that you will project when I look through my glasses at you. So, I mean, there will be things like- Oh, I see. So it's not even that I won't still walk to the meeting. It's like, it's like you'll wear glasses and read my avatar. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I could be in my pants. Yeah, yeah. And some days yeah. I might be, I could send someone else. Yes. Yeah. I could say, <laughs> no, I can't be fucked. Tom, do you mind, girl? I'll send my dog. Yeah. You know, all he's got to do is walk around with a headset. What do you think the timing is for all of this? Because I don't want to be too old to be not able to enjoy it. You're not that old. No. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, uh, everybody has been saying the timing is, oh, Apple is coming out in a year or next year or next they year. They keep saying that. And they've yeah. been saying that for about seven years, I think. So uh, we need to take a realistic approach. There's probably, probably around, well, we tend to underestimate uh, the development of the next uh, 10 years but overestimate the next five years. Right. So let's, let's stick with eight. Eight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, that's fine. Eight's fine. Yeah. Well, for, uh, that number you said plus eight, that's all right. That's all right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> you know, the truth is, if you really look around, not, you know, what you're doing, you know, if you get one of those new Quest headsets I got, and, and actually an Icelandic, um, there's lots of wicked video games company in Iceland, and one, in, uh, uh, one there showed it to me years back, and I was like, I got to have one of these, you know, immediately. And it's like moment that's becomes wireless, smaller, you know, you can, you can really sense that God, this, it's going to be, you know, it reminds me, it's like the mobile phone when suddenly they had this thing and they put an accelerometer in it, they put the camera and they put the, and then there's, so all the technology is kind of there now. And now there's this sort of, what can you do with it? Yeah. And it's, you know, anyway, it's exciting stuff. That is exciting. I'm it is, excited. It is. And, and I mean, the things that you will be able to repair in the future, 
will not depend on repair. Your, yeah, repair. Basically, I mean, you might be able to repair a large turbine, not because you are so skillful, just because you have glasses that can walk you through it. Basically, wow. You know, so basically, engineering and things like that. Sex. They can finally. They can finally <laughs> get my sex techniques <laughs> sorted. Yeah. You know, it can go. It can just. It can just. You know, refine. The county will be sitting there going like, "Oh, make me uh, John Whittleworthy tax sex. Anyway, so I'm not sure this is a good thing because where will all the? I mean, speaking as a professional whose entire job revolves around being able to do stuff that other people. You can license yourself. You can say, yep. well, I'll, I'll, I'll do, for, you know, I'll give you some pippa, you know, and yeah, then you, we, could, we could pepper I up people's pippa. That that's going to sell all that. Pepper well. up people's professionalism with pippa. Try and say that with a few pints. Um, Is that something that you'd like to kind of... Yeah, thanks for that. Is that something that you'd like to change in the future with your AR and the stuff that oh, whatever your startup's you oh. doing? <laughs> Bring out the socialist in me. Thank you so much. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, I, I honestly think that um, as much of a cliche as it is, we do, do need to solve the global uh, warming crisis. It is. I mean, uh, can we solve it or is it too late to solve it? Oh, I must admit, I don't know. I'm, but I'm a positive thinking person, so I will say yes. Uh, but living in Iceland, we do see the effects of it, like on our glaciers and stuff like that. Yeah. So I think those things are, uh, even though we, we are not working directly, that, that is, my company is not working directly on those solutions. Uh, like I mentioned, uh, how and what we will be able to repair or redo or do remotely, I would say, or, or call it through VR, uh, AR glasses, sorry, uh, will change what we have done in the past. So we might not need to fly as much for our business uh, and might, uh, again, because all of us do travel for business on various occasions. And sometimes it's quite a lot of fun. It's part of being in that operation and in that job and making that job uh basically fun and, and entertaining. But uh, when we have, all of us have not been traveling lately or most of us have not been traveling lately and found how boring that can be. With AR, it's, we should be able to at least keep up the fun fact, uh, but limit, for instance, uh, flight time and, and commercial flight that are needed and things like that. Uh, there will be other solutions that, that will come along. And I think that this technology, like I said, will be part of the revolution that's coming uh, and, and will change the world, hopefully in a good way. And, and like you said, hopefully we can uh, fix it. On climate change, though, I mean, when you say hopefully we can fix it, I think what we mean is hopefully we can fix it without anyone dying of it, particularly, or not many people are still going to be. But if you think about it, deaths are going to start going up. And as the deaths go up, the problem will reduce. There will be an equilibrium. I don't think we're going to wipe out will the it? human race. Yeah, we'll get to a point where even if it's only, as, as long as we don't do the nuclear war, if you're just talking about climate change, we might all be living in the mountain, but there yeah, will but be the people, X millions left and then we'll the rebuild. the people that are dying... That That's will not good. Die. That's not good. Yeah, but the people that will die <laughs> from global warming, right, are not the people that will continue to create the problem. Well, because the people that are dying are going to be the people on islands. Yeah, but just where, at the end of the day, you know, it'll equalise at some point. I mean, you can put this graph where you want. And you say, okay, well, so like, let's hope I'm one of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, but actually, it's interesting what you say. If you look at it now, actually, in all modern technology, all um, the countries you're talking about, the rich countries and stuff, all of our use is dramatically dropping. You know, in all the other countries, it's still going straight up. So what's unfair is we've caused the problem they're suffering from now, but they're going to carry on creating the problem that we're trying to run away from in the future. So yeah. it, hopefully that will balance things up as well. You know, we'll be, um, you know, hate each other equally. <laughs> but there's also one Socialism trick. Socialism of hate. <laughs> 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 yeah, you know? 
But advertising can, of course, solve this problem. You know that. I mean, it's very easy for advertising to solve everything. Yes, uh, I mean, of course. Yeah. Uh, it's very, I mean, we had, had uh, shown that placebo works with pills. So just advertise to people that they're not getting sick, so they won't get sick. And they'll be fine. So, yeah. Actually, you make an important point. People are brain, have been brainwashed about COVID to the state. You know, we were just discussing it. Someone who's just arrived from Australia about the mental state of people in Australia about it. Like, my God, you know, they've just got so paranoid. And that's the media, it's the media. You know, they've got, it's just got ridiculous. And now they've got to be de-educated. But you make the right point, and it's happening right now, is that advertising and media, they have a duty, you would say, but they have an ability to change us. Yeah, yeah. You know, and they're the ones who can fucking scare the shit the out of us. Yeah, I guess we are talking nudging. They've COVID nudged the shit out of us for something that, to be honest, once you're double jab, you ain't going to die. You should be getting it. You know, yeah, I mean, you might die. Don't get, you know, someone will die. But statistically, we're back to like flu, you know, much less than flu. So it's like, so really the advice now that no one will admit is you should get COVID if you're double jabbed. And then you're kind of, your immune system's kind of cool with it, you know, like, you know. So it would be interesting to see, you know, in a weird way, you're taking the AR and the VR and using your advertising background and now doing something really positive. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, I, I literally brought you down a rapid hole when I started. I'm sorry. Yeah. Didn't I? Yeah, he was just laughing He's at me on the side best. of the table. He's done his best to try and dig himself out of it. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Yeah. It was actually a really good job. I like yeah. that. <laughs> What's the best piece of advice you've ever been given by somebody else? I think it harkens back to what I was talking about earlier about my parents a little bit. The self-confidence is the best advice that you can get from anybody, I think. Believing in your own ability. Even though uh, we all need help, we all need assistance, we all need partners, so to speak, of somebody installing uh, self-confidence in a very positive way is uh, the best advice I think you can ever get. What I can never work out is why it's like inversely proportionate to how actually good somebody is have you ever noticed that that the the people without any self-confidence are normally the amazing ones that nevertheless think they're not very good and then you get these people with kind of overweening self-confidence well that's arrogance Arrogance. it's a really difficult problem actually because your dad's example he said well i'm going to build this thing now, someone could have sat there and said, what an arrogant bastard. He doesn't know what he's talking about. He hasn't got the funding. But you never get anything done in life without that. So there's this really fine line between confidence and arrogance. Now, confidence suggests that you should be as good as you are. But actually, it doesn't. the truth of it isn't quite that. You need to try... And and because you will you will judge that badly, and you've also got to reach a little bit. So you've got to like be as good as you could be. Do you yeah, know? Yeah. It's like, you know, what are you what are you maybe capable of? And and they taught, somehow your parents taught you that. Yeah, it's a really hard thing to learn. It is extremely hard thing to learn, and of course, you need some things along the way that that kind of uh, reinforce it. I mean, you need positive things to happen. Or come from that confidence. Now, of course, if you get negative things from it all the time, it's probably going to be be beaten out of you. So I, I would I would say I was very lucky. That luck? That's uh, luck. It's a little bit of luck. It's a little bit of of uh, the surroundings that you have. Uh, like you said, Pip, the, you could have uh, have the most intelligent people in the world or the best at whatever, but they don't have the surroundings that that kind of uh, fit to their skill set. Uh, so they will be kind of just on the outside. And and I think I, that's where I. I uh, try to call it really lucky that, and and uh, tend to look at myself as, as have been real lucky because what I've been trying to do has fit into the surroundings that I've been in. I think luck is always definitely going to play a part, but I wonder whether you could almost say being positive because 
you would have tried to do something. Your dad, when he built that thing, things would have gone wrong. But because he stayed positive, I mean, maybe that's a way of looking at the problem is to say, try and be positive. You can do it. Like imagine your, your mum being there, like you can do this, you can run the race, you know, but don't be arrogant. Yeah, that, but that's that's what it is. I mean, uh, you, you need positiveness and, and, and kind of, we talked about unsuccessful things or what has gone wrong. If you look at things as always going wrong instead of just a, of a as another uh, task to be done, you know, you might start out the day with one task, but once you start working on it, you, you kind of come along and it creates two other ones because you need to solve them uh, for your big one. So, mm. I mean, if you just look at them as, as projects and, and new tasks that need to be handled, not as problems or as negatives. Uh, I mean, life is uh, for most of us, you know, 80 decades or, or, or you know, 80 years old, we tend to uh, need to do things in small steps and move forward in, in small steps. We don't usually take life in leaps and bounds. It does happen to some of us, but but uh, most of the time we're taking it one step at a time, solving this today, the other thing tomorrow. And if you have the eye on the prize, it, you, you will be able to get there a lot of the time. I feel like we should sell this podcast as the Icelandic philosopher. (laughs) Honestly, it's so good. Positivity is so good, isn't it? You know, it's about supposed to be about failure, isn't it? Yeah, well, it's about failure, not being a failure. It's like in in advertising, you tend to, uh, when you're doing uh, brainstorming for a creative uh, or trying to create new ads, you take things and you turn them around, you reverse them, put them upside down, things like that. So if you start, just start looking at all problems from a different angle, if you don't just take them as given, but if you take them as an opportunity or, or a chance to do something differently, uh, they will not be problems anymore. So we normally ask top three pods and top three books that you've read recently. I know I can't ask you about podcasts because apparently you don't listen to them. <laughs> true, true. Uh, I'm a little bit of a strange cat when it comes to that. Like I said earlier, coming from the marketing and uh, marketing communication business, uh, my businesses do a lot of uh, social media, but me personally, I don't and haven't really caught on to the podcasts, uh, except for one that I'm actually remembering right now when I'm sitting here. It's an Icelandic one. Uh, I used to listen to it every now and then when I went running in Iceland. It's called Iljósi um, basically in light of history. Uh, cool. so, so it goes through various uh, different things uh, that Icelanders would find it's, interesting. It's in Icelandic. It's Iceland. in Icelandic, okay. but it, it, it revolves around uh, history in, in general, though. It's not only Icelandic history, but it's it's a fairly, it's probably one of the most famous podcasts in Iceland. Oh, wow. I uh, At the moment, I'm uh, reading through, um, I mentioned earlier that, that uh, we're extending our VR production into uh, the school rooms. Uh, so I'm reading uh, a book that it, uh, revolves around how VR can change the way we uh, learn things. Yeah. Uh, that's on my desk at the moment. But uh, every year I try to browse through or read through one fly fishing book. Uh, wow. Uh, again. Uh, big, big thing in Iceland, if you uh, don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huge things. Uh, we invented it here, but oh, it's yeah, the best yeah. in Iceland. Yeah, Iceland and, and Nor- you can get good spots in Norway and in and, uh, and Russia and, and uh, various places. But uh, Iceland is different. Yeah, it's really, really nice for fly fishing. I love it. Uh, try to get out there about five, six times a year for long trips. And, and do usually at least one book a year. 
But my favorite books are basically the Icelandic sagas, uh, harpening back to the Viking era, the era that I was mentioning earlier. Uh, those are the books that, that I used to skip school to just stay home and read. Incidentally, they then turned out to be the books that you have to read for school. Yeah. So it was very, <laughs> very tell, us a bit, tell us a bit of the background, because people won't know what Icelandic sagas are. What are they exactly? Uh, they are basically... Uh, Back in, in 1300, around that time uh, when we lost our independence, Icelanders used to be uh, the story writers in Scandinavia and, and even in Europe. They used to write the stories of kings and, and basically write history. Wow. Uh, those are often uh, referred to as the dark ages, you know, in Europe. But in Iceland, they were almost the uh, bright ages. because the ages. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Because in that time, we had a lot of story writers and they would write uh, old stories about uh, how Iceland was uh, basically founded and and, uh, the early years of Iceland. And we have fairly accurate stories that that are dating back to uh, the first settlers in Iceland. Wow. Uh, so, so you're reading stuff that's a thousand years old. Yeah, 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 yeah. As old as some religious but texts. But I mean, all saga, the, the saga that we have in, in England, Beowulf, yeah, is we set, have a saga set in Iceland. Yeah, yeah, and and, and the, Beowulf. You must come across oh, Beowulf. Beowulf. A couple of yeah. funny notes around Iceland and England. Icelandic, the language, is a Germanic language, and and if you look at the words, if you're reading through text. And you would look at old, old English, like Shakespearean English mm-hmm. or older. Old Norse. Yeah. yeah. Then you will find that Iceland is, is fairly similar to a lot of words uh, that are in there. Of course, not 100% language developed, things like that. But uh, you will find a lot of similarities in there. And and Iceland is or, or has been throughout ages tied to England in, in commerce and, and travel and all things like that. And also inhabitants. Okay, so that brings us to our favorite part of the show, the business versus bullshit. Quick fire round. Deep, cue the music. This is where we reel off a list of key terms and all you have to do is tell us whether you think it's business or bullshit. Ingvid, are you ready? Ready. (laughs) Diversity quotas. Diversity quotas, bullshit. Yes. Stand-up meetings. Business, I love them. (laughs) (laughs) You really like stand-up meetings. Coffee. Business. Agendas. Business. Hour-long meetings. Business. Mm -hmm. Office dogs. Bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) Slogans in the workplace. Bullshit. Swearing in meetings. Business. Phew. That's bloody lucky. <laughs> Pub lunches. Business. Yes. Board minutes. Board minutes? Yeah, the minutes of the yeah. meeting. Business. I, I agree. It's often uh, NDAs, non-disclosure agreements. Uh, <laughs> business. Yes. That's right. <laughs> Acronyms. Oh, bullshit. <laughs> Just say what you mean. <laughs> yeah. Exercising. Business. And finally, formal work clothes. Bullshit. Very good. Oh. 
Okay, so this is where we give you 30 seconds to pitch your company, podcast, book, whatever you like. Off you go. <laughs> Thank you. I'm in the unusual position of not needing to pitch anything at the moment. <laughs> so let me just pitch uh, self-confidence to everybody else. Mm. So uh, for me, uh, that's the best thing I can do. Uh, just yeah. go out there and try it and try it smartly. There is no failure. Just have a go at it and believe in yourself while you're at it. Great stuff. Okay, so Ingvid, if our listeners want to find out more about you online uh, or follow you, what's the best way for them to do that? You don't do social media. I'm very low-key on social media, so I would say if you can find me, you know, go ahead and try. Uh, I'll definitely buy the beer at the bar when you do. Great. You must be on LinkedIn somewhere, although no one can pronounce your name. So. Yeah, you can find me if you try, definitely, yes. <laughs> so, there you have it. That was this week's episode of Business Without Bullshit. Thank you to Ingvid for joining us. Pippa, my amazing co-host, a big thank you to you, dear listener, and we'll be back with another episode next week. And in the meantime, please rate us and review us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. It would be extremely kind of you. And remember to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn at B-I-Z without B-S, where you'll find more useful business content. Until next time, it's cheerio.